0: I'm your host, John Sayers, and I am the Angry Tenor. I have been doing the podcast now for a little while, and I think I'm starting to get the hang of it. At least I hope so. I just wanted to remind you that new episodes go live every Monday evening at 7 p.m. That's every Monday evening at 7 p.m. New episodes of the Angry Tenor. And now, let's see what's making me angry today. With COVID-19 wreaking such devastation on our communities, hundreds of thousands of people dead, millions of cases on the rise, hospitalizations on the uptick, communities wrecked, and small business either unable to function or gone out of business, the performing arts sector is among the hardest hit. Most orchestra performances have been canceled or postponed for example the Boston Symphony Orchestra canceled their Asian tour the orchestra of Paris has also canceled their concerts most opera productions have been canceled or postponed by companies such as the Canadian Opera Company the Metropolitan Opera and the Royal Opera Covent Garden now the Finnish National Opera they did something a little bit different They commissioned, created, and produced COVID-Fontute, a comic opera about life during the pandemic using music from Mozart's Così-Fontute, with small audiences and social distancing restrictions. Sounds like fun. Many performing arts festivals are cancelled, including the 2020 Edinburgh Fringe Festival, cancelled for the first time in 60 years. Recent weeks have seen the already painful situation facing live performance in the United States grow increasingly dire, with major regional theater companies, along with Broadway, somberly scrapping hope to reopen before next summer and scrambling to find ways to stay in the public eye. New York's Metropolitan Opera was the first top outfit to cancel its entire 2020-2021 season over the coronavirus pandemic followed by the highly bankable Broadway Theater District and the city's famed New York Philharmonic. Across the nation, company directors are facing similar decisions, with the Boston Symphony Orchestra following the lead of its New York neighbors. Elsewhere, many organizations are still aiming to open in January as they plot ways to stay fresh and avoid falling into the red. But the future appears grim. Many U.S. companies have already budgeted for a season sans spectators in a country where the coronavirus caseload continues to add about 80,000 new infections daily. The Seattle Opera is anticipating a loss of $6 million in revenue as the New York Philharmonic estimates to lose $20 million, and the Philadelphia Orchestra more than $25 million. Last March, the Metropolitan Opera declared that it was losing $60 million in revenue. The pandemic has forced layoffs, furloughs, and pay cuts across the performing arts, as organizations, including The Phil and The Met, are bargaining with unions to adapt musicians' contracts to the financial challenges of the moment. But companies have by no means given up on offering content, most of it virtual, some of it free, and all of it breaking new ground. The Atlanta Opera, which months ago canceled its 2019-2020 season and postponed its performance slate by a full year, has devised a unique fall series that features live performances of Paiachi and the Kaiser of Atlantis, under a circus tent, on a baseball field, and with the performers wearing masks. The performances started October 22nd, and we do not yet know how long they will go. In this version of Paiachi, an 1890s opera from Muggero Leon Cavallo, the jealous clown Kano contracts coronavirus. How that will work is not clear in my thinking. Having performed Caño more than 200 times, I'm just not sure how that will work. A member of the Atlanta Opera's management said he thought the tweaks might turn some purists off. You think? And singing behind a mask? Well, the sound is different, but it's just as valid, one singer said. That was just a small example of the Kaiser of Atlantis. Tickets in the southern city of Atlanta will be sold as four-person, socially distant pods, welcoming up to 240 people per show. Singers will perform behind plexiglass or wear face coverings, and all patrons must wear masks and get temperature checks. Tommy Zulun, The Atlanta Opera's general and artistic director said the company has already sold nearly $100,000 in tickets. But he emphasized the move was less about money and more about adapting their art to a society in distress. In April, the company slashed its $10 million budget by 34%, and like everyone else, anticipates losses. The Philharmonic, that's the New York Philharmonic of course, Meanwhile launched an outdoor bandwagon series with small ensembles playing on city street corners. The Los Angeles Opera showcased its singers lulling their own children to sleep with bedtime songs. As I featured on an earlier podcast, the opera in Dusseldorf, Germany, is streaming live performances from the opera house to a drive-in movie theater with the sound available over car radios. Also doing the drive-in thing, is the San Diego Opera, which will be producing La Boheme and then streaming it over drive-in theaters. Still, fewer shows and reduced rehearsals has been tough on musicians themselves, who are grappling with salary cuts and limited modes to cultivate their art. Cirque du Soyer has laid off 95% of its workforce and closed traveling circus performances operating in seven countries. Opera Australia Australia's largest performing arts company, temporarily stood down nearly all of its staff amid speculation it would also need to sell major assets in order to avoid bankruptcy.
1: Give my regards to Broadway Remember me to Harold Square Tell all the gang at 42nd Street that I will sue Whisper of how I'm yearning to mingle with the old-time throcks. Yes, give my regards to old Broadway and say that I'll be there a
0: Theatre fans won't be able to give their regards to Broadway in person until June of 2021 at the earliest and certain factors could prevent New York City's theaters from reopening for quite some time. Our audience has to be safe no matter what age they are, said Charlotte St. Martin, president of the Broadway League, but she acknowledges social distancing will prove difficult. We literally cannot reopen unless there is a confidence in the safety of the cast and crew and theater goers. The Broadway League... The trade group that represents theater owners and producers announced that Broadway performances would be canceled through May 30, 2021 because of the coronavirus. Theaters are offering exchanges and refunds for tickets purchased for performances through then. The closure of Broadway, which began in March, led producers to pull the plug on some productions. Disney said in May that it would close its Broadway musical production of Frozen, because of the pandemic. Previously, producers said that the curtain had fallen for good on the production of two plays, Hangman and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. The arts and entertainment industry was in the fourth phase of New York State's official reopening plan, which calls for gradually putting certain business sectors back online as long as the state meets certain metrics. There are three big challenges facing Broadway in this age of coronavirus that could hamper its chances of reopening. First, nearly 16 percent of Broadway theater goers are over the age of 65, and once you remove tourists from the equation that percentage goes higher, industry experts said. The second problem during the 2018-2019 season Tourists from outside the New York metropolitan area purchased 65% of the tickets sold for Broadway shows. That's according to data from the Broadway League, and nearly one in five Broadway audience members was visiting from abroad. The third problem, well many of the theaters are over a 100 years old, and feature narrow aisles, seats arranged very close together, and tiny bathrooms audience sizes would need to be reduced significantly to adhere to health experts' guidelines to keep people at least six feet away from each other. This is program nine, episode nine, if you will, of The Angry Tenor, and up to now, I have not said anything about my new book. Well, that is about to change. The book is entitled Dateline, Music, Opera, Theater, and it's a collection of things that I wrote for the East Sider, an arts and entertainment newspaper in South Florida that existed in the 1990s, which is when I worked for it. And it's articles, interviews, reviews, and just other things, opinions, if you will. An opinion is what I'm going to do today. So what I'm going to do is read the article that I wrote in 1997 about the end of classical music. As the death knell told for classical music, the short answer is yes. The end of serious European music is over. That's right. Fini. Finito. Zu enda. This opinion is supported by facts. According to records provided by the music recording industry, sales of classical music recordings dipped from about 7% of all record sales to just under 3% Last year. Even seven percent of all record sales does not exactly represent a movement, but falling sales represents a downward momentum. But there's more. Attendance at most concert venues is off and falling each year. Downward momentum. Arts organizations are advertising frantically to try and bolster falling ticket sales. I attended a Florida Philharmonic concert recently at the Broward Performing Arts Center. That was only three quarters filled. Nearly one quarter of those in attendance left at intermission. Opera is doing only slightly better. Of the last four productions I attended in South Florida, not one was sold out. Tickets were not difficult to obtain even at the last minute. All music organizations are reporting difficulty in raising funds. Government grants to the arts are down and private sector grants are spread so thin that many organizations are receiving only a small percentage of their share. The crisis built to such a level last year with the Florida Philharmonic that James Judd, the orchestra's music director, gave up conducting to concentrate on fundraising. This also cost him his job as artistic director of the Florida Grand Opera. Overall, there appears to be a mood of apathy in the small circle of aficionados that support the fine arts. Along with dwindling funds, expenses for musical groups are generally up. Orchestra musicians are demanding year-round employment, and rightfully so, and many players are already receiving $70,000 per year and more, also rightfully so. The term poor musician these days only refers to one who is out of work. Amidst all this gloom and doom, I can offer no glimmer of hope. I'm afraid I must agree with the pundits who have already sounded the death knell of classical music. All that is left is the coda. But why has this happened? What catastrophic event has occurred that is sending classical music the way of the dinosaurs? The answer is simple. Composers have run out of notes. There is no melody that has not been composed before. no music that has not been heard before, and without new notes, there can be no more new music. When did this happen? Well, it happened in nineteen twenty four with Puccini's Turandot. Giacomo Puccini was the last composer to make significant contribution to the musical literature, although his writing crossed over into the twentieth century. Puccini was still a composer of the 19th century. He was the last of that era of classical music composers who make up the bulk of today's repertoire. When he died in 1924, he was only midway through composing the third act of Turandot. It was at this point the notes ran out. Little did the world know there would be no more. During the premiere of Turandot in 1926, When conductor Arturo Toscanini reached that part of the score where Puccini stopped, he turned to the audience and said, and here the composer laid down his pen. Perhaps he should have added, and here ends the history of classical music. Franco Alfano completed the score of Turinot based on sketches Puccini had left behind. It was not the same. The final 20 minutes of Turandot cannot even approach what Puccini had written. There would never again be any significant music written. Many have tried. Stravinsky, Britten, Barber, all have failed to significantly add to the literature. All have failed to become part of the standard repertoire. When the last notes of Turandot faded away, so too did classical music. For proof, we need only look at the programs offered by today's major symphony orchestras and opera companies. Little has changed over the years. Puccini, Beethoven, Brahms, Wagner, Mozart, Haydn, Handel, and Tchaikovsky. Over and over and over again, like an unchanging melody, these composers, and a few others, have become the stalwarts of the repertoire. Like others, I have listened to enough Puccini operas, enough Beethoven symphonies, and enough of anything for Mozart. I have simply heard enough of these composers. I am not alone. This concern is beginning to show up in the empty seats of the concert halls and the opera houses. It is not the fault of the conductors or impresarios who program these works, concert after concert, There is simply nothing else that will draw people into the concert halls or opera houses like the music of these few composers. Other composers are programmed from time to time, but the result is only more empty seats. The empty seats tell their own tale. They are the seats that we, who are sick and tired of hearing the same thing over and over again, would normally be occupying, but not anymore. Classical music is dead, my friends. Enjoy what you can, while you can. There are those who will argue that classical music will survive. They point out the three tenors have sold more than 30,000 tickets for the March 18th concert at Pro Player Park. They argue that all the three tenors' concerts have sold thousands of tickets, and this is a good sign. But it is not. Wait until you hear the program. Verdi, Puccini, and I wish you all good listening. That was the opinion piece, The Era of Classical Music is Over, that I wrote in 1997 for the arts and entertainment newspaper, The East Sider. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed it. Just a reminder the Angry Tenor goes live every Monday evening at 7 p.m. Now, I would like to hear from you. So, if you would send your comments to Tenore at att.net. That's Tenore at att.net. Let me know in your email if you would like to have this broadcast on the podcast, and I'll do it. If not, I won't. So, I'm John Sayers, and I am the Angry Tenor. Whoa!